Coming up next on Rugby Wrap-Up, Major League Rugby's Kiss Lensing and millionaire pundit Pete Steinberg. Rugby Wrap-Up brought to you in part by The Pig & Whistle, the world's best rugby pub, and Lean and & Limber, stretch your way to a healthier lifestyle. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Matt McCarthy in Midtown Manhattan talking rugby, and we're talking Major League Rugby again. And if you're going to talk Major League Rugby and you don't have a, a head coach or a player, you go with Pete Steinberg. Because Pete Steinberg, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, is like the man on the scene in Major League Rugby right now. Peter, welcome. Thanks, Matt. It's uh, great to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to chat with you. For the folks at home that might not know this, uh, you are like the million-dollar-a-year rugby pundit now with Major League Rugby. But, <laughs> but you, yeah, uh, <laughs> I, 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 a million dollars a year. Yeah, exactly. Um, don't, don't tell my wife she's not seeing any of that money yet. Fake rugby news? Is that what you're saying? This is fake <laughs> rugby fake news? Rugby, fake, fake rugby news, yeah. All right, but anyway, uh, what folks may not know is that you cut your teeth coaching the game of rugby, specifically with the women's rugby. You made your name. Uh, you won a couple of three championships with Penn State. Let's see. I think I got it as 1997, 2000, 2004, 2007, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, and 2014. Was anybody else playing? Um, <laughs> well, I will say it was a different world back then. Um, there weren't many programs that were um, were vastly led. Uh, you know, I, I look back even to 2014 and I see in the college game such a huge change in the amount of support that um, both the men and the women's programs, um, are, 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 you know, are given. And it's just, it's really revolutionized the college game. And I think on the men's side, we're seeing that with players coming into Major League Rugby. Oh, don't you dare try to put yourself down in your coaching resume in front of me, sir. And, and that coaching success at Penn State actually precipitated you coaching uh, Team USA, specifically Team USA in the 2014 World Cup in Paris. That's cool. That, that is cool. I mean, I, I, I was very privileged to have a long career in the, in the uh, um, coaching in the women's game and particularly um, for the U.S., I, I led the team in uh, 2014 and 2017. So both in Paris and Ireland, both were great experiences. And I also was an assistant with the women in Rio. You said Ireland. Do they play any rugby in Ireland, Pete? They do play a little bit of um, rugby in Ireland. And I think actually for the Women's World Cup, it was a bit of a turning point. The um, crowds were sold out. They uh, sold out the stadium, 20,000 people um, for the uh, semifinals and finals. And the U.S. got to play in that. It was, uh, I, I think it was a seminal moment. I think it was sort of the moment when maybe World Rugby said, hey, the Women's World Cup can actually be something that is um, profitable and um, it's something that's marketable. It can be an asset that World Rugby can use to help grow the game. Excellent. Excellent. But. We are here to talk about Major League Rugby, and you've been around the league as much as anyone in these first two and now going on the third year. What have you seen as the, uh, the, the level of play evolving or, or elevating? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a huge improvement in the level of play between year one and year two. I think a lot of it is players just getting used to being professional athletes. Um, playing week in, week out, having that standard. And there was a big step up. And I think there were some differences in the way the game was played. I mean, Seattle won the inaugural championship primarily around 
a strong scrum and um, a great defense. And you saw teams react to that. You know, you saw San Diego go out and get Paddy Ryan. You saw all these all these teams go out and get tight heads because they said, we can't win in Major League Rugby if we don't have a strong scrum. I think, Matt, looking forward to this year, I think what we're going to see is um, a greater kicking game than we've seen before. I think teams have been able to run the ball a lot more. The defensive ha- defenses have not been as strong. And so I think this year we'll see better defenses and that will lead to a better kicking game and that will lead to more transitions. Interesting you say that. One of the areas that needs work is indeed the counterattack and the ability of all the back three players, the full, the wing and the full, the wings and the fullback, to be able to do something with the ball because you got guys like Joe Peterson uh, of San Diego that is like a shark smelling blood in the water. If he puts a kick up and he knows that is <laughs> only going to be a run back, and everybody knows that the wing or the fullback is going to just tuck the ball and run it because they don't have a foot, that's a factor. Yeah, I think that's great insight, Matt, because if you looked at how San Diego played, what they would say is that, well, we attack space, but the outcome of their ability to have someone like Joe Peterson recognize the space is that they actually didn't have the ball as much as the other team, but they played territory because they were able to find the back three player who couldn't return the kick. They were able to find that space, and their kick chase was probably the best in the league. And I think you're going to see teams look at that and say, we want to play in the right areas of the field. And so we're going to look to kick. We're going to have a great kick chase. And we're going to see if those back three players, if they can't kick it back, they're going to be faced by three or four defenders. And we're going to be able to pin them back in their half. All right. So we are, we are basically talking strategy. So that allows me to segue into the people that, Uh, draw up the strategy, the coaches. We have three new teams, but we also have new coaches with existing teams, particularly in the West. And we had Kimball Kerr and Dan Power, your partner in podcast crime, talking about Chris Latham, the Aussie coming over to the Utah Warriors. But let's talk about some of the other new coaches. Let's, Let's start with Austin. What have you heard about the herd? Well, you know, the herd have sort of been late to the game in terms of their coaching. And I think for all of the new coaches, right? So for all of the new coaches, I think the challenge that you have is how do you implement a system in such a short time? I mean, we talk about they have preseason, but the reality is that you have to work out how things um, go. I mean, I think we saw it last year with continuity at NOLA. They came out of the gate very, very strong because Nate Osborne was able to create his approach to play in year one and build on it in year two. So I think we should look at all of the coaches, whether it's Austin and Colorado and um, Seattle. I mean, New York, all of these teams that have new coaches, as well as Utah, as you said, they're all going to take time to get into the season. And that, that can be costly. I think the teams that have continuity, like the Arrows, like NOLA, like San Diego, I think these teams are going to have an advantage at the start. And I think it's going to be tough for the coaches to be able to hit the ground running. I don't think there's, a, you know, some of these teams have two preseason games against maybe one of them's against another major league rugby opponent. They're still learning about their players. So teams that have retained their coaches have an advantage through, I think, the first month of the season. You mentioned Seattle with Kias Lensing. That's, that's an ideal situation to be walking in. Two-time champions. They've had 17 coaches in the two seasons. Is being the head coach of Seattle, being the drummer in Spinal Tap? 
<laughs> well, well, we might have to explain that reference to some of the younger <laughs> yeah. listeners and viewers, I think. But I mean, I think it's it's that Seattle's a really interesting team for me because they it, it shows you what senior leadership can do on a team. I mean, they have a very like I'll be kind, mature team. They've got players that have been around, that know how to play the game. I think Richie Walker was an ideal coach for them in year two because Richie Walker is a very very player-centered coach. He lets the players lead. I think that as some of these players move on, it's going to be a bigger challenge. But I think Kias can come in. He can help rebuild that foundation. They struggled a little bit in the line-out. Their scrum wasn't as dominant. And hopefully they can get back to building their seawall. I mean, it's one of the things that we forget. They won the championship last year, but their defense was nowhere near as good as it was in the first year. And I think rebuilding that seawall is going to be important for them. And I think that's something that Kias can bring to the table. All right, yeah, and, and Kias can actually carry and lift that table and physically build the seawall himself. <laughs> That's he is, true. He's like Hercules. But we're going to take a quick break, Pete, and we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about coaches and then players to watch right after this. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food, and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig & Whistle on West 36th Street. And we are back with Mr. Pete Steinberg. Peter, uh, we left off talking about some of the coaches. We were talking about Kiss Lensing in, in particular, who is going to be on the show. Uh, but also, uh, we we talked with Dan Power last week. We touched upon the, the the coaches of the other teams in the Western Conference. So let's let's skate over to the Eastern Conference, where we kind of didn't give them enough uh, love last week. You got three new coaches because you have three new teams in that division two of whom are American. Oh, I think this is a wonderful for the game. I think it says a lot about the leadership at the Free Jacks and in Atlanta. I mean, I know Scott Lawrence quite well. I mean, you, you gave my women's rugby resume, but way back when I was a very, you know, a young, a much younger man, um, I did coach the men and I coached them in Atlantic and went on to coach the USA Hawks. And Scott Lawrence was my captain back then. And, you know, I think, if, if there was one coach in America, and I would say regardless of nationality and experience that I said, and I, I was an owner and I would want to get, that would be Scott Lawrence. Yeah. I am so excited to see what he can do at Atlanta. I mean, remember, he's the only coach of the junior All-Americans that got us to the World Cup, the U-20 World Cup. He was able to do that the one year that he coached. That's the impact that he can have. Having that connection with life and having such a large group of the squad be life alumni will be really useful for Scott Lawrence to hit the ground running. Who's got the best scrum in the league right now? One of the impacts that I saw last year in the scrum was the loss of Ben Tar to Nola. Yeah. So we all forget how amazing Nola were. They were the top of the league for most of the season, but you can really link their loss of form to the loss of Ben Tar and their inability to get strong set piece so they could get over the game line and play their wide game. You're not, ans you're not answering this question, Pete. 
You're not answering. Uh, well, the... well, well uh, let me, let me, I, I will now, I will now get there. So I think San Diego will still have a good scrum. I mean, I think they've picked up Paul Mullen and we'll, you know, Aaron Mitchell, you know, we talked about players to watch Aaron Mitchell's, you know, a young prop who was, um, went off to South Africa yeah. this, um, this fall. I think he's going to come back and be really strong. I think they've got depth in, um, in San Diego. So I think San Diego will probably have the strongest scrum, but I, you know, with Kias in Seattle, I'd like to see what he does there too. We got, we got, we're running out of time, but I want to get to players to watch. And I know, you know, there are the players to watch, but you know, players to watch. Give me a couple three players that you have your eye on that maybe nobody knows about. One of the most exciting things for me about major league rugby is seeing some of these young college players come in and develop. And so there's a hooker, um, Jack Iscaro, who's with DC, who just spent the fall with the Glasgow Warriors. It's part of a great partnership that DC has with Glasgow. Um, he, he played for the best high school team in the country in Gonzaga. He played with um, the best college team in Cal Berkeley. I think that's a guy that is really going to be a future star. Someone else that we're forgetting about is um, Jake Chrisman. And so Jake Chrisman is 20. He was just signed by Houston. We know we have to remember he played as an 18-year-old scrum half in the first year of Major League Rugby. Last year, he had injuries that got in the way of his play at Utah. He has wonderful service. He's one of these guys that, you know, didn't go the college route, went straight into pro rugby. And he's someone else that we should look at. And, you know, a couple of other players that I think are going to be really interesting. I mean, I think Ross Neal in yeah. Seattle, you know, 6'5", like big guy, played 13 times for Ross in the premiership. He's 24. You know, we've talked about these foreigners coming over at the end of their careers. This is the guy in the middle of his career. I think he can he can have a huge um, impact. And he won um, the. I, know, if I, I'm not mistaken, he won the Volkswagen toss in the uh, Swedish uh, Strongest Man competition. <laughs> All right. So in so, the, in that realm, in in that realm, Pete of of strong players. Seattle's got two others that I'm looking at, and I I know we're 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 picking Seattle a lot here, but they are the two time champions. They've got a kid, Harry Davies. Coming over from Wales, who is six foot four, two twenty-five. He came up in the Cardiff system. He played with, he had a cup of coffee with Cardiff. Then Wales Sevens team. Then it was Bath, and then it was Bedford, the Bedford Blues. This guy's a fullback slash back three player at six four, two twenty-five. I'm thinking that Pete Carroll of the Seattle SeaWolves, who likes rugby, is going to kidnap this guy. Well, you know, I think, you know, what a difference from Matt Turner, right? Matt Turner's this small little fast guy, and Seattle's really brought in some big size, some guys that are going to be um, impactful. I think what we'll look to see from um, Seattle is those wingers coming in from the um, from the blindside wing, looking to get go forward and getting over the line, because when you've got one of those guys coming up at pace, they're going to be a real challenge. There's, there's one other guy that, that um, I think is going to be important, and this is in Colorado, and it's um, um, Aladdin Shermer. And, and again, we, we forget these players, how quickly we forget when they get injured. I actually think Aladdin Shermer was the reason why the Seawall was not as strong last year. He is a great back row yeah. forward. 
um, around the breakdown, he slows the ball down. He allowed the seawall to build and launch. And when they lost him to injury, he only played four games last year. I think that was a big loss. So Colorado, I think, are going to have a really, really nice back row. And I think that, um, you know, um, Aladdin Sherman, who's, you know, he's not a young guy. He's 27. I think he's someone, you know, he could still make the next World Cup. He's one of those guys, if you really want someone who has a good ground game, um, Aladdin Shermer is someone to look at. And before we go, I just wanted to add two players. I, I, you know, again, Seattle, I got to go with George Barton because he's like every truck driver in America loves this guy or would love this guy. He's six foot, 230, red hair, and, you know, just a wrecking ball at center. So you got some size there. But also, there's a new guy for the old for old glory down in DC who's been around the block but he looks fit trim he's got a rebirth in rugby and that's threatened palamo oh i thought threatened was tremendous you saw him in houston last year when he was coming back from injury and every game he got better and you know i really hope he gets a chance to have a season that's injury free you can see him, you know, he's a big guy, but he's a big guy with skills. Yeah. And I think the um, threaten's going to be an important part of old glory and an important part of um, some senior leadership with that back line. But I want to thank Mr. Pete Steinberg. Thank you, my friend. And we have the head coach of two-time champion Seattle Seawolves, Mr. Kias Lensing, right after this. I've been blind since I was four. And I've never seen a beer commercial or a beer label. None of that stuff influences me. I drink beer because of the taste. And my beer is Pabst Blue Ribbon. It has the taste and the flavor. What do you think is on the label? I think there's a, a naked woman riding on a unicorn, jumping over fire. That's good beer. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rugby Wrap-Up. Kiss Lensing, the head coach of Seattle, had some technical difficulties, but we have that segment with Kiss. Let's check it out. Kiss Lensing, the new head coach of the Seattle Seawolves, two-time champions. Kiss, welcome and apologies. <laughs> no, thank you very much for having me here, and, and it's all is okay. Still early morning here. The sun is just coming up this side, so everything is still good. You got this new job. You were with Rugby United New York last year, forwards coach, Coney Island, Randall's Island. You get off the plane in Seattle, and you walk into that organization. What were the first things that you noticed? For me, it was just a 360-degree turnaround. Very organized and friendly people, clean city. It was unbelievable to see how things can be done. I would imagine the air quality was a little bit better. No, definitely. I got here the first time in November, and it was just the start of the, the winter season, but it was still it was amazing. It's, it's a beautiful city. I love all the water. I love the high trees. Uh, it was just amazing. Yeah. All right, so you're walking into a team that's won the championship twice. Now, this is a three-peat season. What can you bring to the table? What, what are you looking to change, if anything? First of all, it's a massive challenge. But uh, for me, the biggest thing was there was some organization things just off the field and a little bit on the field and to get things a little bit more, more organized. And before the players had a lot of these responsibilities to, to organize things. And for me was to come and sort out a little bit of, put a bit of structure in it 
and just help them to get organized. And we talked off camera a little bit, and that part of that organization was the time that you were holding training sessions. Yeah. So, like, and it was the same as in New York, where we would only start training in the evenings after the guys finished their jobs, because you, you sit, still sit with semi-pro guys as well, and to accommodate them. And the players decided, and, and me and the leaders group decided that we can make a compromise, and we're going to start, we rather train in the morning. So we start in the morning, uh, 7 o'clock in the morning, and we get the boys out of there by 9.30. Uh, and then the pros will go to the gym and the semi-pro guys will just go and do their gym in the evenings after work. But they can be home at least by 7 o'clock, hopefully, and to be with their families and, and, and continue with their lives. And you're away from your family right now. Yes, yeah. My wife is still, uh, she's finishing up with her job in, in New York. Um, I'm by myself now in Seattle. So, yeah, I'm still in an empty house. Not a lot of furniture yet. <laughs> so, yeah, but it's, 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 it's the sacrifices you make for the job. Interesting that you mentioned that. We have our chair of our board of directors here that's going to join us. I don't know if you recognize our chair, uh, Claire. Uh. Hi. <laughs> oh, oh, you're here? Because I'm here for rugby wrap-up. Um, I, I didn't realize that you were going to be here, too. Uh, I, know. I see. Yes, uh, there definitely is a little bit of um, some kind of conspiracy behind the closed doors here. We're just happy to hear that you're uh, scheduling for families. That's great news. Uh, uh, You know, Kiss, there is absolutely no truth to the rumor that she said this was the only way that she would get a chance to speak to you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She's still working very long hours, and I'm unfortunately, I'm also stuck in the office for much longer than I used to. At least I got an office this time around. So I had to track you down somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> she was in the studio with us after we had the technical snafu yesterday. Oh, okay. <laughs> she didn't tell me at all. Uh, no, I'm good with sneaky, secrets. sneaky wife. <laughs> That's what we do. We keep secrets here in New York. We're not like you people from Seattle. I uh, know. In Seattle, everything is open. We, we, we don't like secrets. That's because everybody's stoned all the time. No, 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 no. They're just having a a more relaxed way of living. All right. Well, Claire's got to get back to work. We're going to continue our interview. Thank you, Claire. And thanks for your sacrifice for the league. Anything I can do. Anything for Seattle. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Kia Slensing after this. This is Ali Khalifi, and you're watching Rugby Wrap-Up. And we are back. Kiss, good stuff, right? Your wife, great view. We're trying to make up for the snafu that we had, technologically speaking, the other day. No, no. I, I must say, I, I recognize the, the view a little bit. And I, was a, but I, 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 I suppose you can have that view from a million buildings in New York. So, yeah. No, but it was, this is a massive surprise now this morning. <laughs> All right, it was good for you to see a familiar face, but segueing back to Major League Rugby and your Seawolves, Seattle fans are not going to be seeing some of the familiar faces that they had last year in that championship squad, including Samu Manoa, Ali Khalifi, and Phil Mack. Phil Mack, of course, is now backs coach. Is that correct? Yes, that's 100% correct. And um, I don't think we 
Um, I believe we're totally not uh, done with Oli. Uh, I still want Oli to be part of the group. And we just give him a little bit of a sabbatical after the World Cup. He had last year the foot injury. And um, I still believe he's good enough to, to join us. And we're probably definitely going to need him later in the season. Sa Samo is a little bit of a different situation. Uh, although I also think he can still have a massive impact in the league. Um, yeah, but those are definitely two players that we're going to miss on the field. Phil, we still got on the field, but just in a different spot. And he's helping the backs now and he's helping me a lot just to, to get used to the Seattle environment and, and, and the way the rugby has been played down here. So, and Phil is going to do the backline coaching for us. He's helping with the defense as well. So, yeah, Phil is definitely still involved. I would imagine that you're not really well-versed in speaking to backs. Your rugby career was in the front row. It was a, You were the captain for Namibia's World Cup team. You played Super Rugby. You played in France. That's why uh, I think the Seattle team is so fortunate because we got full. Uh, we got a lot of experience in the back line. Matt Turner, there's Ross Neal now that played at was We got Harry Davies. Those guys, um, they, they, they standing up and they help a lot. And with Phil's leadership there, I think the backs will be sorted out. So although I'm not a back specialist, um, there's enough experience there to lead the team. You got some guys that you can relate to in just size in that back line. You got George Barton, 230-pound body as a center, and you mentioned Harry Davies, the Welshman. He's 6'4", 225 as a back three player? And if you think he's tall, uh, Ross Neal is even taller than him. Ross Neal is a giant. So I was, the first time I've met Ross like in person, I honestly thought this kid need to come and play for me second row. <laughs> but yeah, no, so we got definitely, we got good size in the back line. Uh, that comes with different challenges, but it's also, there's a lot um, of advantages to that. So, but, but let's not skip out on the names that are coming back. You got like an all-star team. You got Shalom Suniuli. You mentioned Matt Turner. You've got Stoller. You got Brad Tucker. You got Rickard Hadding, who's going to be your captain. Tim Metcher. Shepard, Smith, and this list goes on and on. Yeah, and Jeff Hasler is also there for us on the wing. The, the owners uh, of this franchise, definitely their recruitment was really good. Um, as, as now the challenge is going to be so that we can get the guys motivated again and hunger again to, to go and compete and, and, and win a third championship. So, um, and that's probably where my job as a coach is going to be very important to keep everyone happy on the field and make sure that we work on the right areas because with, um, yeah, as you just don't have a lot of time during the week for the next game. So preparation, just to help the guys to prepare good enough for each and every game in this competition. Okay, but is it going to be six games or less or six games or more when you and Phil Mack put the clipboards down and get dressed up and play in the games? Uh, if, if it's my decision... Um, I'm definitely done with playing. Uh, yeah, full is a different scenario uh, because we don't have a lot of depth at, at nine at the moment. So full might be asked maybe if later in the season, but for the moment, we're still good. We got two good scrum offs and I believe they can take us all the way. Uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> for, me, for me, definitely I'm done. <laughs> I'm not going to put the boots on. I'm going to keep pestering you and Cor uh, Corbicero to get in, in that front row in this league and show some, some of these guys how it's done. But you've also got an import coming in, Juan Manuel Leguizimon. And I'm going to try to say the name. Dan Power chickened out, and he's going to call him 
uh, JML during the season, but I'm going to go with the name because this is why I get the big bucks. But he's a he's a stud. Yeah, no, we're still waiting for his visa approval. There's a little bit of a hiccup with his visa approval. I'm really looking forward to work with him. And I think he will also bring a, a, just a load of knowledge to the loose forwards and, and to the whole forward pack. Kiss, I really appreciate you jumping through all the hoops to get on with us this week. It was really important uh, that we try to make it up to you. Hopefully we did a little bit with the wife. And finally, I want to say to all of the Seattle Seawolves and their fans, I, you know, listen, I, I took grief for not picking you guys the first year I picked Glendale. And I explained to Adrian Balfour on the air that it was because Glendale, now Colorado, flew me out there. I'm easy, folks. And the stuff that we have on the set is stuff that's given to us. So send us your stuff, Seattle, and invite me back out. I'm with you. <laughs> I'll see if we can organize that, Matt, definitely. <laughs> you know, frequent flyer miles, a couple of cans of beer, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I don't have any words on that. <laughs> no comment. Final question. I know you got to go. Final question. Have you ever seen the movie Spinal Tap? No, not familiar with the movie. Sorry. All right, well, you'll have to check the reference. Look up Spinal Tap Drummers, and you'll understand what Pete Steinberg and I were referring to on camera in the other segment. But in the meantime, my friend, best of luck going forward. Wish you nothing but success. Thank you, Matt, and you're always welcome to come out this side, and thanks a lot for your support. We really appreciate this opportunity to promote the MLR and the rugby in, in America. All right, together we hunt. Kiss Lensing of the Seattle Seawolves. Pretty cool. Very large man. Looks like he can still play, and I wouldn't rule out him getting on the pitch sometime this season, despite what his wife said to me in the studio. And on behalf of Mr. Lensing and on behalf of Mr. Pete Steinberg, I'm Matt McCarthy for Rugby Wrap-Up, signing off.